Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan, and I'm delighted to be with you today as we explore prevalent and deep-rooted investing myths as we discover how money really works. Holly Williams is the principal of KeepMore.com. Holly has been a real estate investor for over 20 years. Her active real estate portfolio includes rental apartments in Brooklyn, single-family homes in New Orleans and upstate New York. Her passive portfolio holds investments in Texas, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina. Holly holds a BA and an MA in Advertising Communications from Texas Tech University and has been named Outstanding Alumni of the College of Media and Communications. Holly, share a memorable experience from your formative years that helped you to be the person you are today. Well, I'm still forming. So my formative experience was probably in about 2010, 2011, when my parents were old and I saw them just about run out of money. And so I grew up and uh, doing, they did all the right things. They taught me to do all the right things. I was doing all the right things. Or so I thought putting money in 401ks and all of that. And then I really found out how taxes how the 401ks are taxed at full boat as regular income. It's crazy. You think tax-free and you think, wait a minute, I didn't realize that, right? And then that got me thinking and I began to realize a whole lot of other things. And so that was the uh, beginning of my journey to finding a better way because this just was not fair. It just wasn't fair. So, well, it's fortunate for you that that you saw your parents go through that and you yourself have found a different path. So tell us, how did you really come to believe that you'd been lied to all your life? Yeah, all of this is kind of happened around the same time. Right. And um, I had a friend that uh, was fr- I grew up with in Texas and I didn't grow up with him, but I, I'm on, he's a goes to Texas Tech or went to Texas Tech, sorry. And he called me one day and said he was going to leave his job in advertising and invest in apartment complexes. And uh, so I invested with him mostly to help him. Right. And, mm-hmm. and that's what I discovered you know, once the checks started coming in and I knew about real estate and I had, you know, rentals, I knew real estate was a good thing. And I knew some of the tax benefits and that sort of thing. But it, I also knew it's a lot of work and you have to call the plumbers and all kind of keep up with it. Right. And I didn't realize that you could invest passively in equity real estate and not have to do anything yet get the benefits as if you own the property because you do own the property. You just don't manage it day to day. So so that was the beginning of my journey when I saw at the end of the year that I made no money in paper, but on paper, but I had you know income and that I didn't really do anything and that my principal was still there because that's the problem with the whole problem with the stock market. It's not that it's a bad thing. It's not that people 
are lying. It's just that none of us know. I mean, I didn't learn any of this in school and neither did these financial advisors. Right. So they're just doing what they're they know what they're taught. Yeah, right. Huh? That's right. And we're bombarded. I don't think they come in and say, I'm going to just rip off everybody. And I don't think so. You know, I think that we're just we're just brainwashed in many, many areas and mostly about money, because let's face it, money runs the whole thing. I mean, money runs the government. Money runs. I mean, you start getting money involved and people get kind of kind of funny. And so the more I saw what passive investing was doing in my life, the more I saw, wait a minute. I mean, this there's, there's, you know, you have to sell the stock to get the money. And if you think about it, every, every retirement calculator, every financial advisor, whenever you sit down with any financial person and, and plan for retirement, The very first question they ask you, the very first question is, how long do you expect to be retired? I mean, there it is in a nutshell. The system that we're all brought up within is designed for us to die broke. The whole, my father used to say this, the whole, the whole thing is to not outlive your money. And that's insanity. It's not about building generational wealth. They, whoever they is, don't want us to have generational wealth. And want us to die broke. And that was the big aha. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't know how many of us really think about that, but you're right. That is the first question that any retirement planner is going to ask you. How long do you plan to live? And they're going to set up your retirement plan to match what your goals are. And how, is that, how in the heck did we know? <laughs> how long we're going to live and uh, how do we even begin to establish how much we're going to need when we have no clue what inflation or depression rates are going to be from the moment we retire until we enter the grave it, there. It's a shame. Yeah, it is. So walk us through just as Kind of a concrete example here. Your first investment was, or your first, you had rentals, but your first major investment in real estate was a passive investment. Most people don't necessarily start that way. Just kind of walk us through how that happens and uh, how it continues to work for you. Well, you know, my first real estate investment was my primary home because that's what they tell us to do. It's still a good investment. Yeah. If you do it right. Yeah. If you do it right, you know, but it's all about timing, right? And mm-hmm. and uh, so they tell us that the that the best investment is our your biggest asset is what mm-hmm. they say, right? Is your primary home? And you know anything that I know today that anything that is not cash flowing is not an asset. Mm-hmm. And they tell you to keep buying a bigger house and buy the biggest house you can afford. They tell you to keep buying a bigger house, a bigger house, a bigger house as you make more money, blah, blah, blah. And the banks make money every time you're buying this bigger house and you're refinancing and and they've got it down, you know? And, and so, and so what I've, I've come to believe that we're, if to, my, my mantra today is invest where it makes sense to invest 
and buy where it makes and live, you know, and rent where you want to live if it doesn't make sense to invest there. So you really have to look at if I buy this property, will my rentals, if I have to rent this out or if I rent this out, will can I rent this and cover my mortgage and make a little on the top? And if that, if the answer is no, then I rent and go invest somewhere where that can happen because real estate goes up and down and it's all local. It really is at the end of the day. And I, so I was fortunate that when I moved to New York City, it was a great time to buy. Today's not such a great time to buy. It'll be a good time to buy at some point, but not today. Now there's rental deals all over the place. So I think that owning your own home and the tax benefits and all of that is a, is a, is a beautiful thing, but, but it's not the be all end all. There's not, you really have to look at cash flow and you know, you can buy real estate for cash flow or you can buy it for appreciation. And most people on the coasts only really know appreciation, buy low, sell high. And you don't necessarily have to do that, you know. And so I, so I look at, at today when I make a real estate decision and when I make any kind of money decision, you know, what's the trade-off? We'll be right back after a brief announcement. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Tucker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steedtalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Yeah, buy low, sell high works fine when it works, like I guess any investment. But -hmm. in order to do that, you have to time the market which is like looking into a crystal ball. So what's the alternative to buy low, sell high? Well, the alternative uh, for me is invest where it makes sense to invest if you're not living in a market where it makes sense to buy. So for instance, we're looking, we're going to have a life change here in a little while. My daughter's going off to college. So now as a, in most places in Florida, it's, it's, you've got some really good rental opportunities and not so many buying opportunities, right? So, you know, but yet it's a great time, you know, we own property other places. And so I'll probably, we will most likely, if we had to move today, even in North Carolina, where where you are, down, it's, it's, you know, I, I, you have to run the numbers, you have to look at your situation and you have to look at also, is this where I want to live forever? And forever is a really long time I've I've noticed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and life really gets in the way of, of a lot of things. And so we're much more mobile today than we used to be, you know, in my parents' generation and, right. and that. So I would probably rent. So I think the plan is probably for us to go rent somewhere for a, for a, for a year and, and then, you know, ascertain what happens after that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are you know, when they retire, it's not such a great time to, to sell in New York City. It's it's getting there, though. You know, who knows what will happen in the next 12 months, but we'll probably rent. And I wouldn't have thought that when I imagined my retirement, I would not have thought to do it that way 
20 years ago. I would have said, okay, we're going to sell our house, get all this money and take all that money and go buy something else, you know, on a golf course in Florida. And today, I think what I would do if I had to move tomorrow, if I was, you know, if I, want, I would probably rent something on that golf course in Florida <laughs> for a year. And while I figured out and rent my place in, in, uh, in, in New York City, take the cash flow, pay the rent, you know, because you can rent in Florida for a lot. I can make money. You can it's arbitrage. Rent, yeah. Right? You can rent a lot less in Florida than in New York City. Correct. And so I would, I would actually make money and I could live free in Florida. So it's, the, it's that kind of thinking mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, if I'm paying rent, I'm throwing my money away. Well, no, really, you're not because you have to live somehow. And I'm in a situation upstate New York now. I love the place. There, you know, it's it's not all about money either. It's all about what kind of life you. And that's why I wrote this book, because it's about how the wealthy think. They think about cash flow. They think about these things when they're when they're looking at at making an investment. And they're also though looking at what kind of life they want to have. And then they plan their financial world around that life. I planned my life up until about 10 or 15 years ago around my job and where the career opportunities were. That's exactly what we're taught to do. And uh, we can certainly get lost in that. And really, and like you mentioned, the wealthy do it really the opposite. And you're, you're not the first investor I've talked to who, who rents rather than buys. And mm. astute investors, as this one investor explained to me, the reason he rents is because he just cannot justify it on a return on investment basis. The same money that he puts into down payment and into fees and into upkeep, that's money that could be earning a higher rate of return and an alternative investment. And so he continues to rent. So I think in in the nutshell is a difference between wealthy individuals and uh, and and myself. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, I have a friend that, you know, they talk about being house poor and all this uh-huh. stuff. That's what you're supposed to do. And it's, yeah. it's kind of crazy, actually. It's part of that system to suck you into to turning your money over to the Banks. financial institutions, the cities, yes. the cities, the yes. government. Uh-huh. Absolutely, it's, yeah. It's, you know, it, and it works pretty good for them. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> they do have it down pat there. Well, they really do, right? Yeah. Well, we've talked a little bit here about single-family homes in a different way than we normally do. But why is it that you think that multifamily is such a great place to invest? Risk. Risk mitigation. The other thing I've learned is that more zeros behind the number often equate to less risk. And when you have a single family home, and this is what happened in 2008, everybody was snatching up single family homes. And there's, in a way, it's happening now too. History just repeats itself. And buying up single family homes and renting them, and then Boom, something happens. I grew up in Houston and I remember in the 80s with the oil thing and you had geologists working at McDonald's and, and things like that. I mean, it was really, and you could buy a condo. People were buying condos and things on their Amex cards for 
16, 20, $25,000 is, you know, it was, it was a time when people were absolutely stuck with a big old house that they just could not sell and they couldn't rent it to cover the mortgage. So when you're think about that versus think about, you know, a hundred, a 200, 300 unit apartment complex with a diverse employment base, especially working Americans, see the the cops, the firemen, the teachers, the it's those people that are are typically more steady employer. That's why they tell us to get a civil service job. That's why they tell us to 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 uh, go learn to be an electrician. You know, the, these these are people that will have a job no matter what the economy does. And also, it's a class that no people are. You know, we're not building any more products. All the new construction that you see is super uh, uber luxury stuff in most big cities right now. And it's an overlooked market segment, the working American that I really love. You know, And so we can go in and we can make things, uh, give them a much nicer place to live. You know, hogs get slaughtered. You know, you don't want to, you know, you want to make communities better too. And and so nobody really cares about the people in America. And this is all a blanket statement, all this stuff. And and I want to preface all this, too, because I'm not a financial advisor and I'm just sharing my experience. You're not a financial advisor. Yeah, I'm not a financial advisor. This is just my personal experience. You were talking about workforce housing. Yeah, it's an overlooked market segment, the, the cops and the firemen. And then you mitigate risk by having... Uh, two or 300 apartment units. And so if you lose 10 tenants, it's not that big of a deal. If you've got a single family home that you're trying to rent to cover the mortgage and you lose that tenant, you're in big trouble. We can be. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And then uh, there are other risk mitigation strategies, such as the ratio of equity to correct to debt there as well. And as well as a number of other things to look at. We make sure that we raise enough money. We make sure that, you know, that that we have just like they tell you and and they're right about this, that you should have a year's living expenses saved up and that sort of thing. So that, you know, if something catastrophic does happen in your life, you can you can you're okay, you know, so you can get it straightened out. It's the same thing with with that is the correct thing. Right. That they tell us to do. But. But, you know, right now we've got this thing called inflation and they're printing money like it's going out of style. And every dollar that you print makes our dollar worth less. I don't care. I mean, it's just a fact. I don't understand how they're talking about how demand is up and when demand is up, prices are up. Well, no, I mean, demand is uh, demand is up, but these are not things that these are, this is like food <laughs> that's going up. I, I these are, you know, the price of a Tesla isn't really going up that much. I mean, it, you know, it's about the same as it was these things that you really don't necessarily need, but it's the needs that are going up. Yeah. So we're not eating less, right? I, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. So if you really think about what's going on, it's, it doesn't make sense. To me, at least. Well, Holly, tell us about your book and how it is that we can get hold of your book. So I'll just 
tell you just a couple of other myths besides the whole 401k thing and how that really works. And another myth that I talk about is the whole, you know, we talk about buy the biggest house you can afford. It's your biggest asset. And we talk about how I just lost my whole train of thought is what we talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We were talking about myths other than 401ks. You know, it's, it's, we're brought up. You don't really realize the fees. When, when you hear these mutual funds, put your money in mutual funds in a no-fee fund, right? There's no such thing as a no-fee fund. And, and so there are lots of things. You're paying for every staple that, the, that, the, you know, that they, buy, that they buy. And there's a reason there's a bank on every corner. And so they, they talk about how the bank is a safe place to put your money but what they don't tell you is that there's this thing called fractional lending. So they've, they've changed the, the goalposts on us over the years. And if I put $1,000 in the bank, the bank turns around and they lend 900 of that. They keep 100. And guess what? Who the biggest buyer of life insurance is in America? It's the banks. It's called B-O-L-I. It's a thing. Banked on life insurance. So, so this thing is, they're lend, if you wanted, that's what happened in the, in the 1930, you know, the depression, the, the run of the banks. But if you wanted to get your money out, you couldn't get, if everybody wanted to get it out, they really couldn't get it out. In 2008, when the financial crisis hit, they were limiting the banks limited the amount of the, the amount that you could take from the ATM in a single day. You know, people don't remember this. And so, yeah, it may be FDIC insured, but that doesn't mean much. It doesn't mean what we all think it means. And, and all we hear about, so the wealthy invest privately. They're not going on to their Fidelity account and, or their E-Trade account and buying stocks. They're, when Warren Buffett says hold and stuff, he didn't buy it at retail like you and me in the first place. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of what's happening. You know, I've been learning a lot over the last 12 months since I wrote the book about crypto, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. And, you know, it's... It's amazing to me about, you know, everyone, whether you believe in crypto or not, you will once you really understand the economics behind it, or at least that's what happened to me. Mm. It's been the other aha Mm. over the last, since I wrote the book, right? So you're going to have to write another book. Well, I'm going to, (laughs) but, but, you know, it's, it really is a supply and demand Mm. and it's, it's, it's not all that complicated. And so you need to buy where the supply, you know, where it makes sense, where it's not, you know, over overvalued in, in real estate. But you but you really need to think about your life and think about who you're listening to and what and if it's on CNBC, it, by then it's probably the opportunities about three quarters of the way over <laughs> because they've already bought in. They want you to buy Absolutely. so that their investment can go up. Absolutely. Well, good advice, Holly. So uh, Holly's uh, book is Keep More. 
And no, uh, it's hidden investing. Hidden investing. Okay. Yes. And hidden investing with the wealthiest one percent know that we don't. Okay. And you can go to my website. I've got a little free thing that you can get about investing mistakes that I've made. And for your listeners, if they go in and put in keep more, when they check out, they can get the book, just pay shipping and printing. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. That's a deal. A deal and a half there. There you go. Well, Holly, it has been a pleasure having you today. Uh, Great touching base with you once again. And uh, you have a great day. And I look forward to being with you again. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.